Welcome to the Thrive Podcast, the place where you will get to know inspiring real-life women who dare to do the uncommon. They embrace who they are in their life's purpose, and most importantly, they thrive because of it. I am Olga Mueller, a personal success coach and speaker, passionate traveler, and unshakable believer that everyone deserves to live a life they love without ever having to feel guilty about it. Each week, I will introduce you to powerhouse women from all around the world to show you that you can create a fulfilling life you love, no matter the circumstances, personal history, or topic. Me and my fellow ladies are here to bust your fears, your feelings of guilt and shame, and boost your confidence to a whole new level where you are finally able to see that I can do it too. Get ready to dare, embrace, and thrive unapologetically with us. Let's do this. Welcome to a new episode of the Thrive Podcast. I'm so happy to introduce you to a new inspiring woman here on my side. Um, her name is Audrey Sander, and Audrey is originally from Germany uh, or f- German French, uh, but has lived like in a number of countries uh, all around the world. And Audrey is the owner of her own massage, yoga, and coaching practice. After living a life with no regrets, pursuing her dreams, and taking off her bucket list by the age of 35, which included living three years in Tahiti, she now gained the courage to also leave professionally by starting her own business. The dream to help others that had been accompanying Audrey since 2009 when she started her massage journey came back in full force and heightened her determination to find a way to make it her focus and fully live her values and purpose. And so Audrey is now living in Munich where she focuses solely on serving other people and helping them feel good and live a better life. And I'm so happy to have you, Audrey. Welcome. Hi, thank you so much. That sounds very exciting. Yeah. (laughs) Well, and I'm very excited to to really, you know, share your story because um, we only, well, we only briefly basically met uh, at a um, at a get together here in Munich, and then you told me a little bit just about your story, and I was just like really blown away um, because actually that topic why we met at that let's say co working space was the topic around fear, and so after you told me, you know, about everything that you've done, I was like. Well, what is she afraid of, you know, like, because, you know, I feel like you were in the past 10 years, you were doing something that so many people like really want and they desire, but they just can't get themselves to like make that step and just, you know, embrace the unknown and just, you know, uh, leap. And so you've been doing that. And so this is why I'm so, so excited to kind of get inside of your head and understand, you know, what gives you all this, this courage to do those things. So kind of freely. Well, first of all, I'm super excited to be here. Thank you for having (laughs) me. And I've only realized recently over the past two years that people think that my story in my life is original and different because I've never thought about it because what you describe as my lack of fear from the way I was living Mm -hmm. pretty much all of my adult life is my comfort zone and so Mm -hmm. the kind of fears that I see are different apparently to maybe a larger majority of the population so it is interesting yeah um so I mean what would you say where did that kind of I, I would say like lust for freedom and uh, doing just things, well, f- let's say from the average kind of person's perspective without fear. Um, is that something, you know, that in your upbringing, you were raised with kind of that kind of mindset or where do you think that it, that came from? I think we were raised, so it's, it's me and my four siblings. Um, we were raised first of all, internationally. So my dad's German and my mom's French. And we spoke English and then later on a mix of all three languages at home. And by the time I was nine, I spoke the three languages fluently. And we were raised with just an open mindset. And we were moving countries every six months to two years all around the world. So I think indeed this lust for life and exploration and new, I was always looking for new experiences Mm -hmm. because that's how I was raised indeed so I thought that was very exciting the adventurous side of things of discovering 
new languages, new people, new flavors and scents and mm -hmm. people and cultures and way of thinking, that indeed was the way I grew up. Mm. Um, so I think it does definitely stem back to that. Mm. Do you like? Do you remember what you, when you were maybe a little, believed about life? Like, what was life all about for you? Wow! Mm. Like having having moved or traveled so much, having gotten to know so many different things. That was my normal. That was my normal, and I think I started realizing that that was my DNA, and it suited my personality. Mm -hmm. I realized because when I was about nine years old, we then moved to Germany mm -hmm. and stayed there for 10 years. And that was a shock to my system mm. because I mean, I'm, I'm, an, I'm not an introvert. I'm a people's person. I adapt. I'm a chameleon and I was happy there. That was not an issue, but I knew deep down inside. I remember about 13, 14 years old, knowing that this was not where I was meant to be. Mm. It was this was back in the 90s um, in Bavaria and it, it was it's a beautiful country but for me it was too small-minded it was um, I was missing the adventure I was missing the variety of cultures and mm. staying too long in one place I felt stuck I felt like I was stagnating there mm. was, was missing out I was mm. missing out on the and that's when I realized that having grown up in mostly tropical areas where there was the ocean, um, it was warm and it was very diverse, then moving to Europe and a more traditional lifestyle and staying in one place for so long was, was for me the challenge. Yeah. That was for me a challenge. And as soon as I finished high school, when I was 18 or 19, I left. Mm. Was it actually so, difficult yeah. for you to um, adapt when, you know, as a, as a child to, you know, a different, maybe a different culture, different country, like you said, like every six to maybe two years? No, I loved it. I don't remember ever having difficulties with it. I, I embraced it entirely. That was our normal. I didn't question it. I don't remember ever having trouble adapting no, whatever the language was, whatever the people were, I was just embracing it, living in the moment completely. Yeah, yeah. And I, I, I think personally that um, if you like the way you describe it, your parents are a lot like that a lot. Yes, and, they um, grew up in West Africa. Okay. She, she, she's French, but grew up in Gabon. And my father left Germany when he was about 18 and worked around the world. And then when he was married and had children, that lifestyle continued. So mm. indeed, they, yes. Yeah, so I think like when you see that in your parents, probably as a child, it becomes much more mm. like easier to not even think about it because like you said, it's just your normal, right? Um, and I feel sometimes we overthink like what, um, what effect things can have on children because children are much more <laughs> flexible and adaptive to situations than we as adults are. Um, well, I think it, 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 indeed, like what you were saying just now, it depends on how the parents lead. Mm -hmm. For my parents, it was, it, it wasn't a challenge or it wasn't, I don't think they worried about us because this was their way of life. And yeah. when I speak today to friends who are parents and move around or consider moving around or I read articles and parents are so worried about their children and how they're going to adapt to a new school, a new culture, a new language. I just really encourage them to do it because mm. I think it's such a, a beautiful way to open your mind's child yeah. to so many things and it brings so many values. It, it just builds and yeah that the child the child will is completely different in yeah. my opinion no yeah i totally agree and i think like like w what you mentioned the biggest point is really that the parents are the role model in how to embrace that situation and then the child just basically follows Absolutely. If, if the parents move and they're all all afraid of you know going out there or meeting new people well the child will copy that right so it's awesome yeah. that you had this kind yeah. of experience so I then remember another yeah. I hadn't. I had never thought about it, but I remember when we did move to Germany, mm -hmm. we were living in the south of France prior to that. My father was working in Damascus, Syria, but oh it was God. so. 
was already international and he was coming back to Europe. Um, and so we were, the family were living in South of France, going to visit him every holiday, school holiday. But my brother and I were schooled in an Anglo-American school. So just to paint you the picture of mm -hmm. how international thing was. And I remember when my parents were considering moving to Germany, they had gone to Germany, checked out the place we were going to live, the, school, the house, the school, etc. And I remember my mother then describing everything to me and making it sound like a huge adventure. She was painting a picture of how the house was going to be, where my room was going to be, the people. The... So, yeah, they made it fun. That's awesome. Yeah. So you said 10 years was quite, let's say, a challenge to stay in one place. Mm -hmm. And then as soon as uh, you completed high school here, you left. Um, yes. How was kind of or when when did that moment come where you were like, um, screw it. I just want to, you know, um, take off all the things that I want to experience in life. Did you like what happened after, let's say, high school and then making this decision of like, I want to take off my bucket list now? I don't know if there was a one moment or if it was just a constant piece of knowledge that I had. Um, so my sense for freedom was probably possibly a bit extravaganter, more extravagant than um, <laughs> others, because I always felt when I had this, this vision or idea of what a lot of people do, meaning go to school, go to college, yeah. um, get a job that stay in for ages, get married, get a house, get a mortgage. <gasps> I, it, it, it always felt like shackles to me. Yeah. And I always wanted to break. I always wanted to be original, do something else, just live my own life and not think about what do people expect from me or what do people think I should be doing. That that was never part of my thinking. And I wanted adventure. And then being those 10 years in one place in Germany, I knew, okay, I have to finish school because my parents are staying here. So I have to stay here. Mm -hmm. um, but I knew I was missing, what was lacking the most for me was the international aspect of the people around me mm -hmm. and being amongst people who were like me. Um, because I remember in Germany, people didn't understand my name. They were trying to translate my name. Um, oh my God, I can imagine like in the 90s. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So it oh was God. Audrey. It was, so what's your name in German? Is it Andrea? Yeah. Like, no, <laughs> no. <laughs> so I needed... I felt this need to be amongst people who were like me. And so I applied and went to work at Disneyland in Paris oh. for a year. And it was so much fun because it was people between eight and 30 years old or so. And we were sharing homes and we were working and it was fun, but it was international. Mm -hmm. I was amongst other people where I didn't have to explain myself. I didn't have to explain my story where I would get people looking at me with big white eyes and, and not quite understanding. I felt amongst my peers. And that I loved. And then went on to studying in France and in Hawaii. And it was kind of during that time where I had a, I call it my first kind of midlife crisis when <laughs> I was about two, asking myself for the first time in my life, what does happiness mean to me? Mm. And that question was a shock because I was so shocked that I hadn't thought about that earlier. I, was, I didn't hear other people talking about it, but I just realized, geez, I know what my father looks life, how he looks at life, how my mother looks at life, but what about me? And that started my whole journey towards my own discovery of who I perceived myself to be at that time, and I didn't like myself very much, mm. at all, and who I was hoping to become. And I've been on that journey ever since, which has been now 15 years or so. Um, spoiler alert, I really love who I am now. So that's good. So it was worth it. <laughs> so the journey was worth it. That's good. <laughs> the journey was hard, but it was worth it. And I think that's when I started at 22, when all these questions started arising was, well, there's one thing I know, and it's that I'm not going to go down the, the normal route. Mm. And this is where the, these are the places I want to live in. This is what I want to experience. And I just want to be free. I want to happy. I want to be happy every day. I don't want to be happy when I'm 65 or tired. I want to enjoy life now. And I was dreaming of living in, 
I wanted to live in London. I wanted to live in, in Australia. The cherry on the cake for me was always Tahiti because I had had the chance to go there um, to visit family when I was 19, went again when I was 24. And I remember living and working in London and in the gray winters, looking at the sky and it just being gray and dark and hanging low and remembering, hey, there's a place in the world where I can live in flip-flops all year, all year round. Yeah. And one day I and one day I did. Well, this is so because I was wondering, you know, how did I mean, how did you come up with the idea of going to Tahiti? And of course, when you have had the opportunity to visit even family who lives there, um, this makes a lot of sense because I was just like, you know, wondering, like usually I think most people come up with the. Uh, classical destinations of you know I don't know many people want to go to the U.S. to Australia to those kind of places but Tahiti is just like it's I mean it's so, so tiny like I think just to maybe stop by someday but not to like make it like a living destination for you so yeah. what what has would you say like just making or just thinking about it and deciding really what it is that you want to experience has helped you let's say, in, the, in gaining the first steps of clarity? Or was there other things that kind of helped you get out of this moment of crisis? Because um, I think so many of us are experiencing that. I definitely had my moment. And when I was like, what the fuck am I doing here? You know, my life is going completely into a direction that I never wanted or I am not happy with. I did not know what to do because... Mm. I, I just had all all my examples in life were people who were doing what I was doing <laughs> that was making me unhappy. So uh, it was a tough, let's say, uh, ride to get out of there. And I didn't have any clue what to do. So I w I'm wondering, you know, what has helped you to gain that kind of clarity and kind of movement out of this kind of crisis mode? So you're talking about the crisis mode when I was about 22, mm -hmm. when I realized... Uh, wasn't sure what happy meant to me yeah movement i i needed movement um i needed to go explore and have my normal meaning discovering new things new people a new everything now i see it maybe as a bit of an escape mm -hmm. um as as long as i was moving forward i wasn't stagnating and I, I felt like I had a chance of discovering what it was in my life that I loved and what did I want more of and what did I want less of. Not that I was necessarily aware of it at the time, mm -hmm. but movement and, and moving forward and making plans and, and having projects were what kept me alive, what excited me. Mm. And I didn't have necessarily a bucket list per se at that time either of these are the places I want to absolutely want to live in I just knew okay this is the next place I want to live in mm. how am I going to make this happen and every time I lived somewhere I knew it was temporary mm. so I always felt like I was on the move and that's that's how I loved living mm -hmm. and in terms of my own personal crisis of who what who am I I was I just I have a huge self-awareness and I'm emotionally connected to myself and to others and learned to become much more introspective and accept who I am and how do I want to become. So it was a huge learning process. And I wasn't surrounded by people who were like that at all. I grew up in a family that's much more rational and um, it's funny even now, I don't know if you know, there are all these kind of tests left brain right brain that, that are on the internet mm -hmm. how do you perceive things and in my entire family I'm the only one who has more of the artistic <laughs> brain so it, it's interesting so just to say that I wasn't necessarily surrounded by people who were questioning life and themselves and so mm -hmm. on so I had to learn myself and I had to find my tribe as as I love mm -hmm. that saying nowadays as I went on and that's why it took quite a while but as long as I was moving forward I felt like I was moving in the right direction mm. so um was was the the was the aspect of let's say finances and um how you're going to let's say maintain yourself or um well <laughs> finance finance your living was that ever like a, a big concern to you or was there always like this kind of knowing okay I'm gonna make it work somehow 
because I think this is one of the biggest things that keeps people back from taking that leap, always like the, the financial aspect. Mm. I always had trust in myself that I would make it work. So I didn't get help from anybody. I didn't inherit anything. My parents were not able to help me financially either. Um, I always had jobs that allowed me to, to live the month com comfortably, I suppose. Mm -hmm. Not no, no, it wasn't an extra, um, extravagant lifestyle, no, nor luxurious. I lived in house shares and so on. So just to, to, so there was no money really. Mm -hmm. Um, but there was always enough for me to live and to have a bit of a travel in, included in my life. And whenever I wanted to move somewhere, I would save up just enough to be able to move and survive for probably two months in the, in the new country. Yeah. So really not that long. I suppose the advantage that I have and had, which a lot of people rolled their eyes at and, and were worried and probably are worried for me, is that I've never been thinking about my future. So about my retirement plan. Mm -hmm. And I remember when I was about 26, uh, a friend saying, but Audrey, what about your CV and your, your life? Uh, have you started saving for your retirement? And that was the first time I ever considered, oh, my goodness, that's something that maybe I should be thinking about. I, it was just not part of my mm. thinking. So it was very much. And the second advantage, again, not the real normal. I wasn't thinking about a career path and plan. I didn't have a five year vision when it came to my professional Mm -hmm. life but I had one when it came to my personal life so wherever I moved to most of the time I moved to a new country without having a job but then I would just pick up jobs when I got there whatever it was working as a waiter working in events working as a hostess so many years at events and festivals and whatnot and that is the best way to network because mm -hmm. every single time I moved somewhere I would just network the shit out of everything. <laughs> I would say yes to every offer, to every invitation that came my way. And that helps not being an introvert mm. for sure. But that is my secret, just network, network, network. And I always found a job back in corporate again through mm. networking. Whereas when I moved to the country, I hardly knew anybody. So I always had trust in the process and trust in myself that it would make it work. And I suppose when you don't have that many expectations or none at all, when you move somewhere and start something new, then you're way more open to opportunities that come your way and doors that might open. Yeah. That's some great advice there. Um, and I think, yeah, I think sometimes it's just probably it really just always comes down to this trust in your, in our own selves. Right. I mean, you can always find a solution. Um, and it's rather like, I think this battle between, Like you mentioned, oh, but I should have a CV or I should not mess up with this or that. Or I don't know, I should be stable. I should have this home, et cetera, et cetera. And always like this uh, battle between I should and um, what I really would like to actually, <laughs> you know. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's such a huge experience in learning about who you are. Mm hmm. I mean, I've learned, this is how I learned about who I am and what I can achieve and what my boundaries are and limits and by being out there on my own and not having a plan and still making it work. It's beautiful. It's, yeah. it, there are challenges. There have been some times where I had near misses, but just, I think this, this, and knowing that my family wasn't worried about me. Mm. So I think also gives a bit of a boost as well yes. that you'll be fine and if you're not well just come home mm. we'll figure it out was there ever a moment when um let's say the people in your life or your family were not understanding or not supportive of what you were doing never never I, so my mother um really wanted all of us to study mm -hmm. just from her life experience she thought that it was important that we have a certificate, a diploma, something. She didn't mind what we were studying. She just thought it was important that we had something. Um, I didn't really enjoy the whole college experience. I, I already wanted to spread my wings and just get out. <laughs> um, but I did it. And that was her only condition to us. And I remember once I was done, so I, I studied four years, international business and international relations, um, And the day I was done, 
she completely supported me in everything I did. Not once in my life has she said, mm, shouldn't you be doing this? Or shouldn't you be thinking about that? Or I really wish you came home. Or what are you doing? Never, not once. Mm. She always just let us live our life. And as long as we're happy and healthy and safe and we're not messing anything up, you know, everybody's been super supportive. So I know that that is also a huge gift that I've been oh, yeah. given. Yeah, I, th I think basically probably in that sense it's all also like you're, you've been living let's say the probably what one percent ten percent maybe of let's say everybody else's well for for i think for what i want to say is <laughs> that for the majority of us it's usually the other way around it's just like oh but think about this and what will happen to that and is that a good idea blah 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 um And so I, I think it's so beautiful that your mom and your dad have been raising you this way mm. because I can I can only imagine that this can give such a boost of confidence and trust in a child of like what you are capable and you you know you've got it just go and do your thing and um, you'll do great at it. So this is really absolutely. I think as long as the parents have raised the child with the right values and with a sense of intelligence and safety and security and how to look yeah. out for them, how to treat others. And yeah. And, and then go and try it. And my mother has always, her philosophy has always been, I have children for them to live their lives, not for them to complete my life. And my I God, remember, your mom is so advanced. Like she should she, give classes to other mothers. Oh <laughs> She's amazing. My mother is just all love and encouragement and my biggest fan and supporter and she, yeah she's amazing and I remember when I was living in Australia and friends were telling me oh I don't want to call my mother because she's going to be telling me again that she misses me she wants me to come home and it's such a burden yeah it is such a burden and my mother has never once said that I know she misses me she misses all her kids she loves us But she would never, and we've spoken about this, she said, I will never put that burden on you to tell you that I miss you. Hmm. That's my thing. It's not your responsibility. You live your life. You're on this planet to live your life. So yeah, she's very advanced. Yeah, she's she is. She is like <laughs> super advanced. So tell us a little bit, you know, what your bucket list looked like in the end. Like what were the experiences mm. that were like, this is an absolute must that I want to experience in my life. And um Yeah, so that we get an idea of all the adventures that you've been through, actually. <laughs> um, so I've always traveled, but for me, my bucket list was actually to live in the countries that I dreamed of and really experience it as a local. So that was my true bucket list. I didn't want to go and whiz by in two weeks. It was really about immersing myself completely and being part of the life. So I started with... Um, London, just because I, I fell in love with London when visiting one day after I, I finished my um, studying and was living in the south of France at that time. Um, and then went there. And then whilst I was there, the, the idea started forming of, okay, where do I want to go afterwards? And I knew that Australia was part of my bucket list. Not that I had ever been, not that I had done any much research about it. It was just about hearing about people talk mm. about it, really. And I was reaching the age where it was kind of the last year where I could do the working holiday visa. So mm -hmm. that gave me my deadline and I just applied for it. And without any job there, I think I knew two people in Sydney when I moved there. Um, I went and did that for a year. And so it was all very much experiencing life there and experiencing it fully. And work was for me not not the priority it was yes i i need to work and i i want to do something that makes sense um and i need to earn my living and pay my rent mm. uh, it was really more about the experience and the people and the culture and so on and then so every time um i was somewhere a new idea formed and shaped itself and when i was there i thought okay i i was practicing yoga already because i had had an, a road accident in 2000 eight and had really chronic pains and yoga changed my life physically in that regard 
Um, so I wanted to do the yoga teacher training, but I didn't want to just do it where I was living. No, I wanted to go and immerse myself again. So I went to Bali for six weeks and did it there and then came back. And from there it was, okay, I'm not loving my job right now. I don't want to be sponsored and stay there actually. Um, where do I want to go? So Tahiti was not that far away from there. Yeah, it's just like <laughs> right across the ocean. <laughs> exactly. Um and so that had been my ultimate bucket list cherry on the cake for years mm -hmm. since I had been there. It's the one place in the world where I had completely, entirely fallen in love with the people there and the lifestyle and the landscapes, the colors, everything. It was. It had really consumed all of me. It, it was part of me. I loved it so much. And my family was actually going from France. So my mother, uncle, cousins, and so on. So part of my family were going to visit the part of the family who were living there in Tahiti um, for the summer. And I thought, okay, I'm going to go check it out. And then whilst, so I'm going to go and join them for vacation. Mm -hmm. And then as the weeks progressed leading up to it, I thought, mm, I don't know about Australia. I've experienced <laughs> I'm good. And then it was, okay, well, you know what? If I'm going to be this far away from Europe, mm -hmm. then why would I stay in a country where I have to fight for a visa and really struggle when I know I love Tahiti, it's my absolute bucket list item. I'm French, I can live there, I don't need a visa. Mm. Why not go and try that out? Mm -hmm. So this is how it evolved for me all the time. It wasn't like I started out with 18 with a list of things that I wanted to do. It's more that as I evolved and life continued, new things came up. Mm -hmm. And that's really what happened. But my bucket list was basically living and exploring in different countries that I dreamed of and from there traveling to other places and exploring. So it was always about people and culture and countries. So I find it amazing that you just mentioned that, you know, your bucket list really naturally evolved and that it was not just about doing those quick travels and just staying in a place real quick, take a picture and then move on just to... I think sometimes many people are just traveling to say, hey, I've been to, I don't know, 100 different countries and I've been to all those places, but they've never really experienced. And so I think for me personally, this has been the one thing that has really helped me to get out of this, you know, let's say living just this mediocre life that you see all around you, people following like this programming of uh school then job house family whatever and then just die and <laughs> never really live life fully so if there's one thing that any of you listening can do for yourself it's really go and live in a place like however long is possible for you but really get immersed and not just be a tourist be one of the locals and get to know the people and and uh, the culture and everything that is connected to that place and I think this is the best gift that you can you know make for yourself and that can really add you so much value to your life if I may add one thing for those who have fears about leaving a job of and course. doing that the responses I've received going back into corporate jobs afterwards and looking for jobs has only been positive. Going out and doing an experience abroad ups your level of experience, life experience, people experience, and will add value to your CV. Um, it's been unbelievable how the, the impact that it's had when I've had interviews about, about my experience abroad. People are inspired by it, they're curious about it, and it really says so much about your personality. So if you're scared of doing this um, experience abroad because you're worried that uh, it will it will be difficult to come back to a mm -hmm. job coming back, please don't because most of the time I've only seen positive responses. And how was it actually for you? Did you always, let's say, stay in more or less related kind of areas or was it really just like a wild mix because I think this is what you know so many people are afraid of well if I was you know just bartending or just doing a yoga course for maybe half a year or one year you know um, I think it always feels like I have to justify or kind of come up with some let's say bullshit points of what I've learned that I can use from a professional career to make it sound like um I don't know, it's somehow justifiable. How was that actually for you? No, so, well, I ended up having corporate jobs everywhere I went. Mm -hmm. Not at first. There are total gaps in my CV. Um, but I explained them. And I explained the things I've overcome and 
the experiences I've had and how it's made me grow as a person. Mm -hmm. And nowadays that really hits home when you are in an interview because more and more people in, in corporate jobs and interviewing are thankfully interested in the person that you are and not necessarily or only what you can achieve professionally and what's on your CV. Um, so things, times are changing about that I've seen mm -hmm. and I've never actually had to explain the gaps in my CV very honestly, or I would say, yeah, I was moving or I was doing a teacher training course or I was traveling and did this and this. And I don't think I've really had much backlash from it. And I think also what contributes is like, just, I mean, just put yourself in the other person's shoes or like in the hiring uh, person's shoes. It's just like, I feel you can sense when people are just coming up with stuff and just trying to make up some kind of bridge that looks like logical or reasonable or whatever. You can sense that. But I think if somebody's, for me also being open about things has always been the best, let's say, strategy. And if people, people can sense that also. And I think it's just about, you know, okay, that makes sense. I understand it. And then it's like, around about the person do I want to give her a shot at this position or not do I think she has what it takes or not and then that's just what about it I personally Absolutely. think so thank you for that advice pleasure <laughs> so then um so then you said you you decided to go to Tahiti and I mean it's such a small country and I think Almost nobody probably listening to this will ever have been to Tahiti or uh, knows anything about Tahiti except for the fact that it's a tiny island somewhere in the world. So tell us a little bit, you know, what is what is life like in Tahiti and what were you actually doing there? Okay. It's paradise. It's the one place in the world where I have found that photos don't do it justice. It is visually incredible the colors of the lagoon of the of the nat of nature the the marine life it's just a piece of heaven so it's in the south pacific um it's another six hour flight uh south from hawaii you wouldn't necessarily fly from hawaii you would come from los angeles or mm -hmm. san francisco or auckland um so it really is in the middle of absolutely nowhere And the main island, Tahiti, it's really not very big. It's part of the country, French Polynesia, which is in total 118 islands mm -hmm. spread across the surface that's as big as Europe. And so Bora Bora, for example, is one of those 118 islands. Mm. And life there, so in total, when I was living there, which was 2014 to 2017, I think all of French Polynesia had around about 250,000 inhabitants mm -hmm. and on the main island of Tahiti it was I don't remember 180,000 or something like that so not that much not that many people um and life there well for those who really don't know and who are wondering the infrastructure exists there it's normal life <laughs> you, have, <laughs> you have cars you have electricity you have running water um cinemas and going out and so on so it is normal life just uh, not not a lot of every single thing mm -hmm. um everything's imported so it is expensive to live there but then you also earn uh that the amount that so it's it's relatively speaking all right and i worked in the hotel industry i was doing sales and marketing i was taking care of two resorts one on bora bora and one on morea but i was living based on the main island of tahiti And life was pretty sweet. Um, just felt like I was on holiday every single weekend because it was either you were hiking in the mountains, which are just so lush and green and full of sounds and it's just beautiful or on the water and in the water. So sailing or swimming or I mean, every time you go in the water, you see the most amazing marine life and uh, the black tip reef sharks and rays and turtles dolphins um you can still swim with with whales there so there's just such an amount of marine life um that's there and that's everyday life to be honest the first year and a half i didn't 
look for much more than that. I just wanted to recover from the six years I had that were quite crazy in London and Sydney. And I was just enjoying the peaceful lifestyle there. So I was working and enjoying being outdoors. Mm. Yeah. That's what life is there. Yeah. So, I mean, you mentioned that uh, when you came to Tahiti, you were quite exhausted, actually. Um, mm. And um, what what were... So, or, or, What was that time like, actually, or and what has helped you get kind of? Was it just like you've been drained, like from from let's say living full out for like six years and like being uh, out often, like really trying to get as much life into one day as possible, or was it other factors? I think it was a, a few factors. For the one part, yes, I was out and about all the time. All the time. I loved my jobs, well, most of them. And I had such a social, huge social life. Um, I had a job when I was in London where I was out a lot with clients um, and then with friends and then going on trips and going to shows. And so it was all of that. And when I went to Sydney, I was actually hoping that it would calm down. And I just replicated the exact same lifestyle. Mm. Um, so, but what I noticed was that I wasn't focusing on my self-development. Mm. So all those years I was distracted hugely. And I realized I need to stop this. I need to recenter. I need to carry on with my personal journey and when I got to Tahiti, oh boy, did that hit home. <laughs> There are no distractions there absolutely none and that's why I say it took me I think a year and a half of just yeah staring into thin air looking at the lagoon and and enjoying everyday life there and so so because there are no distractions mm -hmm. on this tiny island you really do have to face yourself mm. it's you and yourself your thoughts and there are no distractions you can't go out and party or well you can but it, there's not a multitude of things that you can do um so at some point you do and I heard because I I did have therapy I went to therapy when I was there at some point um and the the therapist said to me people who come to Tahiti they either stay and face their demons and grow from it or they leave because they can't handle it mm -hmm. because it is so quiet here that not everybody is made for it and whilst I was there I actually um had a burnout Mm. Um, which sounds pretty insane, but I think it was from from it was the consequences of the the six years prior to that where I wasn't focusing on myself, and I've had health um, issues. Um, I have endometriosis, which is a a disease of the uterus basically, and mm -hmm. I suffered years and years. I mean, it's a lifelong thing anyway. And the pains were just so incredible that at some point when I was living in Tahiti, all I managed to focus on was keeping my job and making sure I didn't lose my job. But then I, I had no energy to do anything else. And that led to a burnout at some point. And I think that was another one of the factors and signs of, okay, stop, slow down. Mm -hmm. There, it, I am somebody who needs to have time for myself. I need to know who I am. What do I want in my life? What is important? And also f focus massively on self-care and self-love and managing myself and so on. And all of this was possible in Tahiti because it was so quiet. And mm. yeah, you kind of have to. Well, that's beautiful that, I mean, I really feel like um, everything happens for a reason. This is like my personal belief and you're experiencing the things at the time when you're supposed to, not when you necessarily want, because maybe you're not ready for the learnings that you're getting. Um, so it's so, so, you know, nice to see that Tahiti happened for you in a moment. Um, where you, it seems like it, it was kind of perfect to get you, you know, centered before maybe you you would have kept going on with this kind of lifestyle that you had. Absolutely. So um, what made you then, was Tahiti the last, let's say, station on your bucket list or? It was, it was. And after that, I did. So after three years, I realized, okay, I'm ready to face the world again. Mm -hmm. um, and after a while, it did get quite lonely. 
because it is so removed from absolutely everything. And in three years, only two people came to visit me mm. because it, everybody dreamed of coming to visit, but uh, nobody really could. And so, and I was lucky because I had a job where I did travel a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, so I got out every once in a while. But still, it's the loneliness that made me realize, okay, I need to get out of here. I need to come back. Um, mm-hmm. But I wasn't quite re- ready for Europe. Um, I wasn't sure I could deal with uh, the, the hustle and bustle and, and coming back. So I did a quick stop in Dubai, which was not for me at all. <laughs> that was a total fail uh, from my personality and, and life there. So I didn't stay very long and came back to Europe. But that was pretty much my bucket list. But being in Dubai and realizing that it was a total clash with my values and, and my lifestyle and where I wanted to be made mm-hmm. me realize when I was reflecting and go, geez, what do I do now? Mm-hmm. Um, and this was at a time where I had on paper the job and title of my career, the biggest, mm-hmm. but I wasn't happy. It, it was just not working for me. The conditions were not great, the, the everyday conditions, I mean. And it, mm-hmm. was, it just did not match my expectations and my desires. So, again, it made me reflect. And that's when I realized, hey, I'm good. I've, I've lived what I wanted to live, and I'm only 35. Like, my bucket list now, I realized, involved deepening my relationships with my friends and family. That was what what was really missing and what mm-hmm. was becoming my priority i wanted to do small things like being able to go rollerblading again or having mm-hmm. a dog or just all those things that you don't do when you're traveling and traveling and traveling and yeah. traveling and you don't have possessions with you or you don't make long-term commitments um, because you don't know how long you're going to be there for and once i realized that i had experienced those things that i had really dreamed of such a burden left i was I just felt so relieved and so much lighter. And that's when I realized, hey, whatever happens from now on out is going to be amazing because I'm not chasing a dream anymore. Mm -hmm. So now really every day can just be what it is and it's going to be amazing. And I love every second of it. Yeah, I've never, I've never, I think, really seen it from this perspective that really, you know, um, a dream can also be like a, a big burden. That's it quite, is. That's quite profound. Because this is in the end, this is what we're chasing, right? Like our, our dreams, um, our visions for what we want our life to look like. And um, mm-hmm. of course, it also brings a lot of, you know, stress because um, it's like, okay, and if I don't get there, right? It's a lot of stress that you put on yourself and expectations that you put on yourself and your life and you're kind of living for the future, which is a lot what a lot of people do. Whereas when you are able to switch your way of thinking and just accept everyday life and that actually you know why you are where you are today, then it makes sense and you can appreciate it mm-hmm. and not live with it. We hear and read this. I, I see it almost every time on social media. I will be happy when mm. fill in the blank. And that's, that's, yeah, that's a burden. Yeah. Just be happy now. Mm. And it's, mm. I mean, it's so easy. I, I, I mentioned it on, the, on another episode, like I, I, I don't, I'm really like starting to, I don't want to use hate, but really dislike this whole happiness, happiness, happiness. I, I, everybody wants to be happy. And then I'm thinking like, you know, you can be happy right this second. Just think about a great memory. Just smile, you know, it automatically will make you feel happy. It's not that difficult. Um, it is not just about this short term, you know, change of emotions, but really, I think being in tune with what it is that you Um, I don't know, one for yourself and feeling good about uh, the life that you're, let's say, living or creating, just being kind of in tune with yourself and that your actions are in tune with that, I think. Yes, I think it is important to know yourself um, and love yourself. And I think that would, that's my definition of happiness. Like you said, being tuned, but being aligned with your values, being aligned with who you are today and knowing that you're on the path that you want to be. 
not everything is in, in life is rosy. Maybe you're not in no. a place that you really love and want to be, but knowing who you are makes a huge difference. Oh yeah. And that's a journey. Yeah. That's, that's a journey. Yeah. So, um, I think last year you started, but correct me if I'm wrong. You, you started a new, let's say chapter or a new journey. Uh, you started with, uh, doing a coaching certification. Um, mm -hmm. so how, let's say, did that now come into your life and how has it now, let's say, affected the path that you're going for yourself? It's been amazing. It's been, yeah, it's, it's really changed so much in my life. So as you mentioned at the very beginning, I did this massage um, training when I was living in London parallel to my corporate job. Um, this was 2009 or 10 um, for a year. And back then already, I knew I wanted to get out of corporate life. It just wasn't aligning with my values. And, and I hated being stuck in an office in front of a computer every day. I mean, I loved so many aspects of my jobs, but that was not what I enjoyed. And I felt this need to be able to help others make them feel better about themselves and, and just, yeah, I, I needed to have a purpose and help others and serve others. And this kind of stayed within me the whole, every single year, but going back to corporate jobs that just allowed me to pursue my dreams and move to all these countries because that was safety. That, that just meant I would have the money to lead the life that I needed. Um, and coming back to Europe after having a disappointing, a few disappointing corporate experiences I just thought okay enough now I need to get out of here but what do I do so I had this dream of being self-employed but I had yoga I had massage I found that that a third element was missing but I, I just couldn't put my finger on what it was um, and a few friends totally independently from each other when they were going through a crisis in their life or were just had me by their side for whatever reasons um, said, Hey, I think you'd be really good at coaching just from the way you are, your life experience, you you're able to listen, your empathy and so on. And so it kind of planted a seed. Um, and I started looking into it. And when I started the, the training last year, um, I, little did I know that it was going to transform me. I, I did it because I wanted to be able to accompany others on their journey into finding who they were because I didn't have that help within the 15 years of my personal journey. Um, I didn't necessarily know that coaches exist. Uh, I, I wasn't aware very much about this whole industry, to be honest. And if I had known, I just think, geez, I would have probably gotten to results so much quicker. I know, than same. Years. Um, but I just didn't know. And I started the journey. And when I did, I had, I knew I had come so far in terms of being able to help myself. I knew there were a few more blockages in my life in different areas of my life, but I didn't know how to overcome them myself anymore. That's not why I did the coaching training. It really was focusing on others. But during the training, obviously, we had to coach each other and experience the whole thing and practice, 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 practice. And I had incredible breakthroughs. I had emotional lows, emotional highs, realizations, and acknowledging things for what they are and a reason for whatever happens is such, it's such magic can come from that. Because once you see things for what they are, you can let go of them. Yeah. And that has freed me of a few of the blockages that I had. And um, one of them was also becoming self-employed and, and doing that big jump. So when you and I met, the mm -hmm. fear that I was referring to was the one of becoming self-employed and being completely independent, which I had been my entire life, but now it was financial. Mm. And this was a huge responsibility and it meant also long-term commitment, which is something that I, I had never explored and I was actually avoiding my entire life. Um, so that's why I was going to those workshops about how to <laughs> overcome your fear. <laughs> and launching yourself and I've met so many amazing women and people along the way and and realized and heard that us women oh man we're so hard on ourselves we wait for everything to be perfect before we launch and realizing that it's not only I who feel like this but mm -hmm. so many other women that helped me mm. um getting encouragement from other women and so on and so coaching now because I have felt and experienced the magic and the transformation from it. And it's really 
helped me to understand who I am and who I want to be. And I now know my life purpose and my values. And every day when I make choices and have decisions to take, I am able to align them with my values and everything makes so much more sense. Mm. Um, and when I have a challenge in my life, be it emotional or professional or whatever, I am now able to, um, well, acknowledge whatever negative voices I have in me and then counter them with the positives that I know that I have in me and take perspective. So that that's the magic of coaching. And um, I'm now able to, to kind of offer a holistic experience because I also I'm back into massaging and teaching yoga. And I just love the effect that it has on people being able to empower them to finding out how much magic is within them. And I want, I'd love to inspire them to go for their dreams and know why they're doing it and believe in themselves. And mm. a dream can be professional. It can be personal. It can be self-development. It can be, you don't even know what your dreams are. So finding out about them and just allowing people to dream and that it's magical and it's okay too. And whatever it is, big or small, we all have a voice that we should be using. And I love just doing that. Yeah. And that's why I love to have you today. So do you have any advice for, you know, everybody who's maybe playing with the idea of just like, you know, they're tired, they know where they are is not making them themselves happy. And they're just like, in their mind, they're really just like, I don't know, maybe like this tiny bit away from just saying, just fuck it all and just mm -hmm. go and experience Maybe just that one thing that you've always wanted to do. Maybe it is going to Australia. Maybe it is going to do something else. But is there some advice that you can give? Or maybe also from your experience, things that you maybe think people overestimate too much. You know, they, they put too, like, they give it too much energy, too much value, when in reality it can be, like, fixed like you said you always found a job somewhere it's mm. not that big of a deal um what would be some advice that you could give to those people my biggest advice would be stop thinking about what happens afterwards mm -hmm. just do it and you will change monumentally the experience will change you in such a positive way you'll find out so much about yourself that when you return if you return your plans will most likely completely have changed. So trust in the process, trust in the universe, let go of expectations and just go on the ride. Ride it out, experience whatever comes your way, say yes to opportunities, say yes to things that you would maybe normally say no to and try things out and mm -hmm. just see what does for you. And If you let go of expectations and whatever plan you think you have to make for security reasons and, and for when you come back and so on, if you need them to make them, you feel safer about it, do it, but then put them to the side and just really be in the moment, be in the present moment and trust in yourself, um, trust in the universe, trust in other people, because when you're open to this experience, you will meet other people who are on the same journey as you. Yeah. And The amount of people that I've met and encountered when I was backpacking or when I moved to countries, there are other people in the same situation who have welcomed me with open arms, not knowing at all who I was because they've been in the same situation. Mm -hmm. And that is magical. That is such a beautiful experience. So for me, it really is go and experience, let go of expectations, let go of your plans and see how it happens. Just let yourself live day by day for once and for whatever time that you've set yourself out to be and see what happens. That's great. So I'm sure you've met also many women along uh, the journey that you've had so far and even just now getting resettling kind of in Munich. But mm. if there would be like one message that you could, you know, implant into all of those women's minds because maybe this is a thing that you know you want to share from your heart maybe there's something that you see like like a pattern and many women popping up and you're like this can't be you know happening so if there was one message that you could put into their mind um where they would believe it immediately what would that one thing be you're not alone mm. you're not alone with your fears and your doubts and I won't go into this too much because yeah. it's 
topic that's close to my heart about how women and girls are educated in society, etc. But you're good enough. You're even more than good enough. You're amazing. And the power that we have and within us that we're not aware of and we're scared of showing it and we're, sh- we're so scared of shining our light mm. or again, whatever reason, um, know that you're not alone. And if you can just do a bit of research and look for support groups now online, it's just so easy to connect with other women, mm-hmm. empower each other. And the support and encouragement and love that I have received from women that I don't know just by being part of these networking groups and being able to exchange ideas has helped me tremendously on this journey. And I've just noticed that, yeah, the self-doubts and worries and, and perfectionism that we think that we have to reach before we put ourselves out there, it's such a burden. It's we put so much pressure on ourselves and expectations on ourselves and to, but just accept and know that whatever you have to offer today is enough. You're already going to be doing something amazing with that. And yes, you can go on that other training and you can learn this and you can meet that person and you can, yeah, but put yourself out there because whatever you have to offer today Mm -hmm. is already amazing because you're going to be your authentic self and that already is enough. Oh, that's great. That's a really great message. And how about yourself? You know, one thing that I also always like to ask is, um, I call it the three nuggets of wisdom. But if you were able to send, let's say, six-year-old Audrey um, three pieces of wisdom from everything that you've been through and maybe things that you want her to know, either about herself, about life, about anything, like what would those three messages be that you would like to send her? Wow. I think one would be to love myself earlier Mm -hmm. because I've been so hard on myself. So love yourself, learn to love yourself and life just becomes so much easier. Mm. That's why the second one is trust in life, trust in the process, trust in yourself, just trust, Mm. try things out, trust that things will work out. And if there are challenges along the way, you'll deal with them when they get there. Mm. Cause I was a worry. I used to worry. I mean, there are still things I worry about, but I, I definitely felt everything in my st- stomach. That's the kind of person mm. I was. I'm, I don't really have that anymore at all because I have learned about who I am and so on. So love yourself, trust in everything and have fun every single day. Find something that makes you laugh or smile. Have fun. And that comes back to the stop worrying about things. I mean, yeah. Have fun. Enjoy life. Connect with people. Be. Be alive. Everything will work out. I think that's the biggest message. Life will work out if that's what you want it to be. Mm. That's great. So, Audrey, <laughs> where can people find you? How can they connect with you in case they want to work with you? Let us know. Okay, so um, it's also a work in progress. So by the time this goes out, I hope um, everything will be done. <laughs> But so <laughs> on Facebook, I am A Xander with a Z, A Xander Wellbeing. Mm-hmm. On Instagram, I'm Audrey Xander Coaching. Um, website, AudreyZander.com. And mail at AudreyZander.com. So... Um, That's work in progress, but I am definitely reachable, happy to exchange, happy to, uh, yeah, hear stories and, and help out where I can get in touch. I'd love that. Yeah. I think you also wanted to share some special, let's say, gift or invitation to everybody listening. Yeah, I would love that. So with the coaching, so whoever is in Munich, um, if you want some massaging, there's some amazing really i'm so grateful for some great comments and reviews and feedback that i've got on my facebook from people but so i offer deep tissue massage to absolutely everybody so it doesn't have to be an athlete or um uh, just anybody and everybody and it helps alleviate postural pain um sports Uh, i love to accompany pregnant women on their journey it's been totally magical i love that and so for coaching which i do virtually over 
video or phone or in person if you're in Munich, I would love to offer a sample session, a complimentary sample session um, to anybody who's interested. So just reach out at mail at audreysander.com. And I'd like to give away two discovery sessions of 90 minutes each. So during that session, um, we explore your values and your life purpose and um, what, are, what your dreams are and just touch on whatever the topic is that's really your is is of concern or is current um, mm -hmm. for you today and um, give you a bit of a taste of what coaching could look like that's awesome so for all of that get in touch at mail at audreysander.com and that's yeah it's exciting yeah definitely take advantage of that I mean, coaching has also been life-changing to me. And so I definitely understand um, what that might have done for you. And um, as I, that's why I encourage everybody else to also, you know, just get get involved with yourself. Try to get to know yourself. And really the biggest thing is get rid of all that shit that does not serve you. All those fears, all those yeah. worries, all those negative beliefs. You know, life will be will feel so much better once you've done that. So... Audrey, thank you so much for being here with us today, for sharing your story, giving great advice, really, and being so open and uh, honest. You know, I really appreciate that. Thank you. Thank you so much for this opportunity. Opportunity. I hope it inspires a few ladies out there to really go for it. Um, that would be amazing. So thank you so much for this time together. Thank you so much for tuning into the Thrive Podcast and spending your precious time with us. If you found this episode valuable and think that others could benefit from it too, please share it with your network, friends, and family. I would also be forever grateful if you could go over to iTunes and leave us an honest review about the show. And if you have a comment, question, or topic that you would like to see covered on the show, go to algamuller.com slash thrivepodcast. So see you next week, girl. And until then, don't forget that you were meant to thrive.